Father, we're thankful for your unfailing love, that you never give up on us, not even though we don't deserve it. You freely gave your love and your son for us.
come on, I want everyone to stand and let's thank him for his love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God's love came to us when we least deserved it. Amen? But God loved us. And so worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, somebody shout, worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. you to find your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 15.
Today is Pastor Jewel Strickland's last Sunday out at our Southwest campus as our campus pastor out there. And they're having a wonderful celebration of seven years of ministry for him and uh, been a wonderful part of our staff. And uh, Pastor Richie will take over as our interim uh, pastor there and just believing for some good things to take place there. But next Sunday, my wife and I are going to celebrate 41 years of ministry here at Evangel Temple. 41 years. Amen. I came out of Bible college the third week of April in 77. And the fourth week, the last week of April that year, we began full-time ministry 41 years ago. And then three weeks later, we were joined in marriage. So our wedding anniversary and our ministry anniversary fall about three or four weeks apart. And we'll be celebrating 41 years of marriage. Amen. And she's almost got me trained after 41 years. Now the key word there is almost. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm going to start a sermon series next week entitled The Acts. A-C-T-S. The Acts. In your Bible, it says the Acts of the Apostles. You read it and study it, you see it was the Apostles and Disciples. But I believe we want to see the Acts of Evangel Temple in the last days. Amen. Amen. We'll start that sermon series leading right up to Pentecost Sunday. Amen. In just a few weeks. All right. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus, because she hadn't planned to draw on the water he's talking about. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he who you're now living with is not your husband. Boy, he just took it right home. I mean, he got right to the point. Look at what the woman does, though. Now, he's just told her, you're living with a man. And verse 16, she says, well, let me change the subject here. Let's talk about worship. Oh, my goodness. The woman saith unto her, him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship? Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain of Samaria nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship what ye know not what. For we know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour cometh, and is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such. This is the kind of worshiper God's looking for. Those that will worship in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You may be seated. Jesus, according to verse 4 of this passage, must needs go into Samaria. Remember when he must needs go through Jericho and he found Zacchaeus while he's going through Jericho? Now he's going through Samaria. And in a city in Samaria, he finds 
a Mrs. Zach. Amen. He found Zacchaeus in Jericho. He's going through this city in Samaria, and he finds a woman at the well. She's there at the well, and Jesus has another Zach encounter. Jacob's well had been there for two millennium. When Jesus approaches this well, that well had been there for 2,000 years. It was Jacob's well, literally dug by Jacob two millennia before. I want you to think with me about this because Abraham, when he came into the land, and for those of you that have been uh, to tell Dan with us up in the northern parts of Israel, and we've stood uh, by those unearthed and excavated gates that they know Abraham came into the land from. It's quite an incredible thing to just stand there and know that this great patriarch came into the land and came in from this region. And, and he comes into the land and he builds altars and he digs wells. He has a son named Isaac and he teaches his son, build altars and dig some wells. I preached a whole sermon one time on the wells that Isaac dug because there's a wonderful teaching there. He named every well, and every well's name was very important. So Abraham digs wells and builds altars. Isaac digs wells and builds altars. Jacob, the son, the grandson, follows the lineage, the generational. He saw his dad do this. He saw his father do this. I, I want to say he digs some wells and 2,000 years later Jesus encounters a woman at the well that Jacob had dug. I want to challenge you dads, don't vacillate, don't stop worshiping, don't stop building your altars, don't start or stop digging wells of, of life-giving water that can provide to your generations following your life. This is not a time to give up. This is a time to keep digging wells and keep believing God for generations. Amen. Because somewhere Jacob dug a well 2,000 years later. A woman is at that well and she's drawing water, but then she meets the living water. When you've dug some wells and you've been intentional, I believe you can expect the Holy Ghost to cause some divine happenings to take place. There's some families been digging some wells, laying some good groundwork, calling their prodigals in. How many have a prodigal family member? Raise your hand. Don't give up on them. We sat here weeping last night as one of the ladies in this room right now testified of a prodigal that's just come home after a lifetime being away and, that, and God has turned that prodigal around. Amen. He's still the God of breakthrough and turnaround. But a family, because of their faithful giving and their faithful digging of wells and not giving up, something happened with one of the young couples from this church. They're not here this morning because they're on family vacation. I'd have them, but Pastor Chris knows the testimony, and he's going to come share what happened. Last week, a uh, young couple from the church was uh, dining at a local restaurant, and one of the young servers, God laid on their heart to minister to her while they were there sitting and eating, and then at the end of the, the, the dinner, God spoke to the husband to leave a tip uh, that was exactly the amount of the bill, so a 100% tip. 
and uh, just left a sit with me card from Evangel Temple, left their name and said, we love you, God loves you, and you know, we hope to see you at church, come sit with us. Well, then a few days later, this young lady, this waitress, sent a message on Facebook and said, I'm not sure if I'm crossing a line, but just wanted to let you know how much this ministered to me in this time of my life. I've just been going through some things, and this was just a very uh, good encouragement to me, and uh, you, it just came in the right time, and we appreciate it. And you don't know this, but my family, my entire family goes uh, to Evangel Temple, and so I know what an awesome church it is. And uh, this young couple had no idea that this young girl was affiliated with Evangel Temple. And so then the sister of that waitress who is very involved here at Evangel Temple, attends every service, uh, she sent a message also to that couple and said, you have no idea how much this meant to my sister and how God's been stirring her heart and how this is just a confirmation of what God's already been doing. So thank you for inviting my sister to come sit with you. Hallelujah. You never know who you're going to meet at the watering hole. Jesus goes to a water fountain called Jacob's Well, and encounters a woman here in our text, and her life becomes transformed, and generational blessings because of the faithfulness of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We see down through millennia a well was there providing water, but she still needed something further, and she encountered something new. Amen? Listen to me. Sometimes we prejudge people and situations. Sometimes there's a prejudice going on in our lives that may uh, keep us from all that God wants us to experience. The Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. But Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. You know what the definition of prejudice is? To prejudge. Jesus could have gone around as the Jews did. He could have gone and skirted the outskirts of Samaria and got to where he was headed. But he said there's a mission, there's a well, there's a patriarch that dug a well 2,000 years ago for it to be a blessing. And I'm walking right into Samaria. Listen, so many times I believe blessings are missed because we prejudice ourselves against. There should be no prejudice in the body of Christ. There should be no prejudice in the church of Jesus Christ. There should be no prejudice in our lives. Amen. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus shows us that as he goes right into this Samaria, uh, city of Samaria and ministers to this woman and asks her to give him a drink. She was drawing out of an old well. But Jesus was talking about a new well, a well that would spring up and give eternal life. I want to tell you, God's trying to put some new wine in some new wineskins. He will never put new wine in old wineskins. He taught us this. And friends, we need to understand we need to get some new wineskins wrapped around our life so that there'll be some new wine. New wine will restore your soul. New wine will save your family. New wine will change the dynamics of your situation. There's a new wine Jesus spoke of that we ought to be desiring in this hour. Point number one, I want to talk about true worship. Jesus tells this woman uh, that she's had five husbands and the man that she's living with is not her husband now. She immediately diverts to worship and wants to talk about worship. And, and, and uh, that they, we know the Samaritans had built a temple up in Samaria. Watch this. 
Remember when they built the original temple in Jerusalem? When, and after, after the Babylonian captivity, they come back and they rebuild the temple. Sanballat and Tobiah, who withstood the rebuilding of that temple, go north into Samaria and they build a rival temple of worship that became the temple where the Samaritans worshiped. And so they had a rival. Be careful what you rebuild and what you build that is not the original. Amen. They built a rival place of worship and the Samaritans worship in that temple. And Jesus says, there's coming a day that you're not going to worship in that temple. And you're not going to worship in this temple. God's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. I, I want to say something uh, very hastily here, but I, wanna, I want the impact to be understood uh, listen, we can have untrue worship, and I believe the Word of God is calling for true worship, and that is in spirit and in truth. We can, we can, and the Word and truth is very important to what we do. It is the foundation. But if it's all based in truth and there's no spirit, something is missing. You can have all truth and the letter will kill. I'm, I'm, listen, the letter will kill. You, you can, if you've all only got truth, you can bend towards uh, a, a Phariseeism. You can tend towards a, a religiosity in your life. If you're all word, if you're no spirit, Jesus said true worshipers are going to have the spirit touch the word, the truth. In spirit and in truth. If you've got all spirit and no truth, you can be all emotional. I've seen the detriment on both sides where you got all truth and no spirit and the, the, the word, the letter is killing people and, and things are not, not alive spiritually. But I've seen the other side where it's all emotion and there's no foundation of truth. And Jesus said true worship is going to be in spirit and in truth. Let everybody say amen. And so he teaches her along this line. Her life is impacted with the meaning of true worship. I want to talk, our worship needs to be centered around Christ. And it needs to be heaven-based. Where do we get our model? Listen to me. What was the prayer of Jesus? We sang about it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Where's the model? Heaven. I believe our model for worship is found in heaven. Our worship needs to look like what heaven looks like. It needs to look like throne room worship. It needs to sound like throne room worship. Come on now. Amen. There's a lot of things we like and we don't like and dislike in this life, but it better resemble heaven if it's going to please the Father. Uh, at the end of the day, I want my worship to please heaven. Amen. Not so much. I'm not worshiping for you. I'm worshiping for him. Oh, I'm going to come down and say amen to myself. It done got quiet up in here. Our worship has got to please the one alone that we are worshiping. Amen. True worship that will worship in spirit and in truth. Look what happened. Don't ever touch somebody's worship. I'm going to say that again. As a loving pastor, don't touch somebody's worship. Michael touched David's worship. And she was smitten barren. For the rest of her life. His own wife was smitten barren because she dared. David is out there dancing before the Lord with all of his might. 
You know, I just wish enough of the Holy Ghost would fall upon some people. They'd start dancing in the Spirit. Amen. David is dancing before the Lord. Wouldn't be permissible in a lot of places, a lot of situations. But David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And Michael lifts her voice against his worship. And God smote her barren. But if you read the story and study the passages out, Michael never had children, but she was raising five sons, nephews. All five nephews lost their life. It's a high, high price to pay if you touch somebody's worship. You better leave that. You don't know what they're worshiping about and why they're worshiping. Somebody could be over here just shouting the praises of the Lord and you don't know what God has brought them through this week. You don't know where, the, uh, where they have come from. I, I, I want to say I heard a testimony uh, last night in this room at the prayer time uh, of a woman that came into these services uh, with, with uh, what was that blood disorder? Hepatitis C. Hepatitis C and, and the doctor substantiated and, and there was no cure for it and Pastor Cecil laid hands on her and she was instantly healed, went back to the doctors and every subsequent test testified that she was healed of hepatitis. Don't you cast dispersion on somebody that wants to dance before the Lord. You don't know. Help me out up there. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know the grace of God that's worked in their life. Hallelujah. Don't touch somebody's worship. I want to talk to you secondly, the importance of honor. Very quickly, what we have been doing, and have the ushers passed out the sit with me cards. Ushers, and I just need a bunch of ushers immediately to help I want everybody to take one sit with me card and I want you to invite someone for next Sunday. Amen. Pastor Cecil believed in this and we have been connected to 30 days of honor. I'm out of breath. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here's an EMT specialist. Go get the oxygen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, listen. Invite somebody to sit with you this week. It'll make a difference in their life. But for 30 days, we created 30 days of honor. And today is day 29. Tomorrow is the 30th day. And we've honored Pastor Cecil's life and legacy but I want us to celebrate Sister Wiggins, who is a faithful, supportive wife of 66 years of marriage. Amen. He couldn't have done all that he did had he not had a supportive wife. Very connected and involved. You may be seated. Derek, if you'll get the chairs up here real quick. I want to say something about what we're doing. I believe it's a very spiritual thing. Tomorrow's the 30th day. The Lord spoke to me at pastor's promotion that we needed to honor. And I was studying Jacob. They honored him for 40 days, tacked on 30 more days, made it a total of 70 days. I studied Moses. 
And they honored him for 30 days and mourned Moses for 30 days. And we've been leading the church in honoring the man of God that served this congregation faithfully for 53 years. There's something important that's happening here. You will never receive honor if you can't model it and walk it out. You want your families to honor you someday. You want your children to rise up and honor you. Listen, it is a godly thing that we're doing. One of the Ten Commandments deals with this. How vitally important. John Kilpatrick called me Thursday, and I, I don't do this because he called, but he said, let me tell you what you're doing. He said, I can show you in the scriptures that when you pay honor, blessings will follow. And we're not doing it for blessings. We're doing it because it's the right thing. But I believe some powerful things are being released. And we pay tribute to a man that had a rippling effect. I sat with him over 41 years of full-time ministry in many different settings and 62, almost 63 years of my life have I watched a man that lived a life of integrity, lived a life that was just a shining example of the love of Christ. We had a Muslim man who was Muslim for 50 years and he converted to Christianity in this room a few weeks back. He is well known in the business world. He's very well known in the Arab world. I want you to hear what I'm saying. He said, I have on my cell phone, he showed it to me, the phone numbers of six presidents and kings of Arab countries, and I can call them at any point in time. I knew this man had some, had some powerful status. He said, you Americans don't understand what honor is all about. He's teaching me about honor. He said, in our Arab world, we teach this and we model it out, the importance of honor and honoring people and honoring adults and honoring our leaders, recognizing them. And I thought from a man that came from the Muslim world and the Arab world, here he, he's saying something very powerful. You have to walk this out. And what we are doing has been very intentional to pay honor to one that has blessed and given and sowed a lot of good seed. Amen? Pastor Cecil Wiggins loved this congregation. He was a sincere man. He was a man of integrity. He was consistent. He loved God. He walked with God. He communed with God. Many times over the years, we would slip into here in this sanctuary early in the morning hours. He would always be the first one. Even through his last eight years of retirement, Pastor Emeritus, not retirement, he'd be in here early praying and calling on the name of the Lord. He loved this series, Sit With Me, about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal. He was a progressive pastor, a giving pastor, a sowing pastor. He loved Bible prophecy. That's what he was teaching in his Sunday school class when he was promoted. I've been in many settings, from hunt camps to packed rooms of political, civic leaders. Leaders. And I've heard him pray, and I've heard him talk and share, and the respect in every setting. We have been privileged to have a leader like this. He loved to sing. 
and he loved to sing bass. And I want you to watch just a short clip of Pastor Cecil singing bass. All right, turn it on. Need some volume. Somebody on the headsets? All right. Well, we'll, we'll play that later because it gets really good in just a minute. Amen. Not sure what happened. But he loved to sing. He loved to invite people. All right. Cut the video before it gives it all away. He was having a good time on this song. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't know what happened there. They promised me it was working. All right, back it up. There we go. Now, we started to buy a bus and start trapping. No, we didn't. <laughs> we wouldn't have made it very far. I want Jenny Ackerman, Kelly, and Enoch Skidmore, and Walt Marie Bowers to come very quickly. While they're coming, Pastor could pray and see his answer, prayers answered. And many people have testified about answered prayer, but he also had a special anointing in some areas of his life. He could pray for people who could not have children and they'd have children. That has been uh, repeated so many times. Even families that finally went through the adoption agencies and adopted children and once he prayed for them, then they started having natural children. And the same about nightmares, people that had nightmares that pastor hundreds of people. And I've had so many testify uh, over the last few weeks about being delivered from nightmares. But he just had a special faith and compassion as he would pray with people about certain areas and God would use him in those giftings. And so I want to honor some of those things and how people were touched. And this is Jenny Ackerman. And tell us your story about your son. Our son Tim was diagnosed with leukemia in 2004. 
and went through uh, chemo, radiation, and bone marrow transplant in 2005. And he did fine for a few years, and he was uh, five years into remission. Uh, and then he just started developing a lot of issues because of all the treatments that he took. And he was very, very sick. Fast forward to 2011, January the 14th. He was at my house. I had to go pick him up because he was so sick. He couldn't even stand up. And in a lot of pain. And uh, we were praying that night and talking to him. And uh, I said, son, you need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus as your Savior. He'd been raised in the church all of his life. And he was wonderfully and gloriously saved that night. He gave his life to Jesus. Uh, he was put in the hospital on the 17th here in Shands, transferred to Gainesville three or four days later. And he was so sick. They did a um, uh, scan of his uh, sinuses. And the doctors came to us and, and showed us on the scan that he had an invasive fungus and that when it reached his eyes, he would go blind. And then when it reached his brain, it would kill him. He was hemorrhaging so bad from the upper and the lower that we could not keep a pan there fast enough to keep it emptied. They uh, said they were going to do a scope uh, through his upper and his lower to see where all the blood was coming from. He was literally bleeding to death. I called the church, and they put Pastor Cecil on the phone, and I said, Pastor, my son is dying. He is bleeding to death, and they don't know what's causing it. He said, Jenny, he prayed a beautiful prayer over the phone, and he said, Jenny, I want you to go in there. He quoted Ezekiel 16:6 to me. When I saw you struggling in your blood, I said to you, live. Yeah, I said to you, live when I saw you struggling in your blood. And he said, I want you to go in there and read that scripture over Tim, which we did. We stood, the family stood around his bed and we prayed that scripture and read, read that scripture over him. And my son, Jimmy, laid his Bible on the bed and it opened up to Psalms 118:17, and said, I shall not die but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. They took Tim to surgery. They were only going to do one and do the other, the sinus, the next day while they had him in there. They could not find any blood in his body whatsoever. They, the, we waited for hours for the doctor to come tell us what was going on. He never to this day has come and spoke to us. His assistant told us the next day that there was just a little sinus infection. There was no invasion fungus. There was no bleeding. They could not find any blood. And God. no more blood. No more blood. No more blood. Hallelujah. No more blood at all. He did go to glory June the 24th, but he was a saved child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is Enoch and Kelly Skidmore. Um, Pastor prayed with you on a couple yes, occasions. Yes, he did. 
uh, our son Alex, who's eight years old, he, um, the devil's been trying to snuff him out since he was in the womb. And when I, I, became, I became pregnant with him and had a virus, and the virus transferred from me to Alex. And the, they, you know, they said he wasn't going to live. And um, we had to go to the doctor's office just to, every week just to see if he had a heartbeat. And I called Pastor Chris, and I, I was crying, and I said, you know, the baby has this disease, and he says, and we brought down to the church, and he walked us right into Pastor Cecil's office, and Pastor Randy was there, and Pastor Al, and they prayed for us, and Alex was born. Alex survived through that. And then when he was born, he couldn't eat, and for the first year of his life, he couldn't eat anything. And... The devil tried to snuff him out with that, but he still made it through. And then at about two years old, he started having nightmares. Just terrible, terrible, terrible dreams. I'm going to go back to when he was born. He had a disease. He, my oldest son caught a virus. And the virus was so bad that it could have killed um, Alex. So we had to separate them when Alex was first born. And we had to stay in two different houses to keep Alex from contracting this virus from Aiden. And Pastor Cecil and Miss Pauline called us and they prayed with us couple of different times and Alex made it to the point where you know he he grew out of that as well and then the nightmares started at about two years old and they were so bad he would wake up in the middle of, he would never wake up I shouldn't say that he was sweating he would be sweating and the bed would be wet we thought he wet the bed but it was just because he was so terrified and we would have to shake him to try to wake him up even now at eight years old he doesn't he, he watches very carefully what he lets into his mind what he watches on TV and what he listens to because he's so afraid that those nightmares will come back to him. And we walked, Enoch felt like we should have Pastor Gary pray for him, so we went and got him out of the nursery and met Pastor Gary at the exit, and Pastor Gary, we said, will you play for Alex? And he said, no. <laughs> we, what? <laughs> he said, you go find my dad because my dad has a special anointing for that. And so the next week we met Pastor Cecil and Sister Pauline right here at, the, um, at his pew, and he prayed a very simple prayer over Alex. It wasn't anything super, you know, crazy anointed. There was no oil. There was no screaming. It was just very simple. And he said, go home and sing a song about Jesus to him before you go to bed. So we sung Father, I Adore You, which is a song that Enoch's parents sang to him when he was a kid and struggled with bad dreams. And we've been singing that song to Alex every year now for I don't know how many years. Every day, every night before bed. And he has not had a single nightmare since that day. And you say, praise the Lord. This is Walt Marie Bowers. Marie. I want to honor Brother Wiggins for his faith. He had a faith that was contagious. You couldn't help but have faith. And uh, when I was a child, uh, growing up, I always had nightmares, too, really bad ones. I couldn't come out of them. Mama would just have to shake me and shake me to get them out of me. And when I married Walter, I continued to have them, and he would shape me to get me out of them. And uh, even when it was in my early 30s, when I come to Evangel, I was still having them. And um, we went on a retreat one time, and I had a really bad one. And uh, there's four or five people standing over me, shaking me, trying to get me out of this nightmare. It was little monkeys and little devils, just all kinds of bad things. But um, one Sunday night, uh, Brother Wiggins said that uh, he had nightmares as a child, 
and he had been delivered from them and that he had the gift to pray for people with nightmares. And so he said, everybody come forward. And I came forward and he prayed for me. And I don't have nightmares anymore. I just dream. <laughs> Walter? Well, I've had some health issues in the past couple of years. And um, I haven't done really well. But I started feeling better and I thought things were going along real good. And, and one day I woke up and I had an issue of blood. And I, I really... We thought we, that I was going to bleed to death. Um, we went to the emergency room, and as you well know, you never go to the emergency room at 11 o'clock in the morning. It's like 3, in, three o'clock in the morning is when you're in the emergency room. And uh, they couldn't figure it out. They just knew that I was losing blood and a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a an important person. I'm just a regular person. I'm the guy that sits in the back and, you know, just stays to himself. However, Pastor always, Pastor Cecil always, we talked, we talked a lot. And, um, and he loves us. He loved each and every one of us more than you'll ever know. He, he loved us and, and I never would have expected that. But anyway, back to the story. I, have, I went uh, to the doctor, and I had another appointment like on Tuesday. And uh, the pastor was on the way to the uh, funeral, and he called me. And I'm sitting out there in my gown with my catheter on and just boo-hooing. And uh, he called me and said that he wanted to pray with me about this. And uh, listen, blood, blood, especially when it's yours, you know, and it's, it's, it's really scary. And uh, he prayed with me, and that was at 10 o'clock in the morning. At 11 o'clock, it got clear. By 12 o'clock, there was no blood. I'm talking no blood. If you ever want to see pictures... <laughs> <laughs> I took pictures because I said nobody will ever believe what, what he healed me from. But God touched me through Pastor Cecil. And the fact that I was, I meant enough for him to call me that morning meant the world to me. And he would do that with any of us. And I know in my heart that he's done it with a lot of us. And so... You know, no matter what, the mantle's been passed. And if you ever have an issue like that, see your pastor. They're better than any doctor I know. Let's thank them for their testimony and sharing. Everyone stand. Worship team, come back. Every head bowed and every eye closed. All glory and honor goes to Jesus. As Paul said in our Sunday school lesson, our life group class this morning, we're not boasting in man, we're boasting in Christ. But God used a man, and we've created 30 days to pay honor to whom honor is due. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know that he would want me to end this service. 
giving an opportunity for anyone who does not know Christ to come to Jesus. The gospel is this. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to be your salvation. But you must accept him. You must repent of your sins. And if you've sinned, if you've failed the Lord and you know you need his forgiveness, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. How many will raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. And you'll hold your hand up right now all across this room. I need to get right with God. Come on. I need to give my life to God. I need to, I need to repent of some things that are not right. God bless you, sir. God bless you in the back. Amen. God bless you, men. God bless you up in the balcony. Amen. Listen, if you have failed the Lord and sin has come into your life, there's forgiveness. You don't have to leave this church family with the weight of sin on you. There's forgiveness and there's cleansing. And that's a wonderful place to be. If you have a spiritual need of getting closer to Christ, if you're a lost coin, a lost sheep, or a prodigal son or daughter, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. I want every person under the sound of my voice that has a spiritual need, I want you to move from where you're standing and come to this altar right now. Our, our prayer team's coming. Come on, if you raised your hand, I invite you to come. There were several people. I'm not going to belabor this this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity. If you know you need a closer walk with Christ, God bless you men for coming. Amen. God bless this couple for coming. Amen. Come on, give them a hand. There's, there's some people that raise their hand in the balcony. You need to come. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Amen. God bless you. Every person that has a spiritual need, God bless you, ma'am. God bless this couple. Amen. Come. If you've got a spiritual need, don't give up. Don't let up. Press in. There's victory. There's freedom. There's an anointing. God bless you. Amen. Listen, all you got to do is repent of your sins and then God will free you from your sins and deliver you. There is nothing that you have done that can't be forgiven. Nothing. And you can live a life of fruitfulness. You can live a life of, of overcoming Christian walking Jesus God bless you sir I'm going to give one more invitation if you need to be at this altar I invite you to come if the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart I believe there's somebody that's been struggling with some addictions and you need to come I could have people all across this sanctuary say that God delivered me from drugs and God delivered me from alcoholism. There were some hopeless alcoholics that are in this room right now that God completely set them free. Never took another drink. And I mean, they were hopeless and helpless. There's somebody that's bound by something and it's been controlling your life and Jesus knows it's not the five husbands, but maybe you've been fornicating. You need to come.
want everybody to pray this prayer while the altar workers are ministering to these. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of all my sins. I do believe in you, and I accept your forgiveness, and I receive you into my life. And by your grace, I will begin to live and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, say amen. I'm going to speak the ironic blessing in just a moment, but a couple of quick things. If you need special prayer for healing, this prayer team, they're trained to pray with people and lay hands on the sick. I invite you to come if you need healing. If you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you come. Or if you need to pray before you leave this house of worship, you come. Every person that prayed that prayer, if you're just now coming to Christ, you need to come down here and talk to one of these altar workers and fill out a birthday card, your spiritual birthdays today, April 22nd, 2018. Amen. But then you need to get in church, you need to read your Bible, and you need to pray every day. Those three things will help you live successfully for Christ. Everyone lift your hands from Numbers chapter 6. God told Moses, this is how I want my people to be blessed. And the Jewish homes around the world recite this every Shabbat. The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and give thee peace. The Lord lift up his countenance over thee, and be gracious unto thee. And you will put my name upon your families, your children, and I will bless them. That means you're decreeing that Jesus is Lord over your family. Come on, I want everybody to say, Jesus is Lord over my home and family. Father, you said if we'll put your name on our families, you'll bless them. And we claim that in Christ's name. God bless you. You're dismissed. Be back tonight for the awakening service. Pastor Chris is preaching. Amen. If you need special prayer, you come to the front. Come on, worship team.